What's up, everybody? Welcome back to High and Sightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games, because sometimes they just help you mellow out. You know, like it says, I had a pretty crap day at work, and I just want to talk to some cool people about some cool shit, but nothing too deep, so that's what we're going to do. We got some awesome calls. Um... No session recaps here, no just arguments or anything, just some cool stuff, talking some cool shit. RPG stuff, sports stuff, movie stuff, we got it covered here, we got it covered. My next episode is going to be more on niche protection. I got a bunch of amazing call-ins already about that. So folks, if you, ha- if you got something to say about niche protection and you haven't called in yet call in i've i've got a ton people had a lot to say about niche protection from all over the place it's great it's awesome this is a fantastic discussion thank you very much to the pink phantom for spurring this discussion i hope you're still out there listening dude chime back in man if you want to um yeah so let's get into the calls we're gonna start off with jules from nz it's goddamn right we're gonna kick it off from the other side of the planet from where i am to where you are now, Jules, take it away. Hey, Joey, it's Jules from Jules from NZ. Um, I've got a big question for you. Uh, I have a pretty massive, epic DM undertaking coming up. I've never actually homebrewed my own campaign before. I've done lots of homebrewing of one shots, so I understand them, but homebrewing your own campaign seems to be a big job. And as someone who has created like a world that I am such a fan of, like the world that you created for Wheel of Woe, I, I thought it would be best to talk to you about um, maybe what are your top tips for creating like a homebrew campaign that's both interesting for your players and interesting for people outside of the game to like listen along to like how do you create that buy-in how do you create the interest like what are your top tips for world creating all of those things i'd love to hear that thanks joey just a little light question to get us started (laughs) no jules thank you so much that's a great question and i'm i am I'm honored that you would ask me and that you enjoy Wheeler Woe World so much. Um, yeah, so th- obviously this doesn't apply to everyone. S- parts of it won't apply to you or anybody. So, you know, here's just what I do, my my thinking. I like to initially come up with a story that the world is telling. Now, that's different from me having a story to tell. Because it's when I'm brewing a world, I want to make it fun and interesting and exciting as a place as I can for the players to explore in and play in. So there has to be stuff going on in the world. And to come up with that stuff, I tend to draw influences from media or history or whatever like for wheel or woe my overall big over concept was okay i want to re-examine the punic war uh which was between you know rome and carthage but i want carthage to be the good guys and rome to be the bad guys and that was it that's where i started from and from there i started 
thinking about the game system and the different ancestries and how magic works and you know, the lore that comes along with the different ancestries and races and stuff that comes with the game. What of that I wanted to keep, what I wanted to throw away and start fresh. Um, and that was that. So once I had like my overall big world concept, okay, there is a major conflict between two big powers. One is sort of a, you know, a, a holy empire and the other one is more secular more you know not one god um and that was it so from there i said okay now we need that's the world right and then i got down a little smaller you know people what is this this is top down that's usually the way i go you know i'll start with a pantheon start with the world and build my way down some people start from the bottom up where you're like, okay, here is, here is my starting village. But so we're talking about the way I do it and I go top down. So after I come up with the Pantheon, which I know Jules, you don't need to do and come up with a world conflict, which you probably will, cause things will be much different. Um, then I decide, okay, where is the adventure going to start? And that's when I start getting down to details, right? Like, do I want this adventure? And I, this, most of this comes with conversations between me and the players as well. You know, so I'll ask them, do you guys want a more urban campaign? Do you want a more wilderness campaign? You know, that kind of stuff. Find out, you know, do I want this to be set in a village or in a city? Village is easier because it's smaller, but cities you can do a lot with. Like I did with Malak, City of Sales. Uh, there is a shitload of lore built into that city that the players never saw, right? And who knows, you know? But there's so much lore in that city that I put in just in case they went left instead of right one day, you know? Um, so you come up with your starting location, then... You come up with a few NPCs, not too many at first, because you don't want to overwhelm the players. So just a couple NPCs to start with. And that's generally enough and a couple plot hooks out there, right? Like adventure seeds for the players to come across. And then you got to think of a inciting incident. And it doesn't have to incite the party down the main quest line or whatever, right? To save the world. It just has to be the main thing to spur these characters to adventure. So, you know, think about their backstories. Think about what they want, their goals and motivations. Because again, you like me, you're a very communicative DM. You like to talk to your players and stuff, which is fantastic. That's the main key. You already got that part nailed. Uh, and yeah, just come up with like two or three plot hooks based around your city or village and go from there. Like everything else builds upon itself. Have some broad stroke sketches of, you know, other villages that are nearby, other cities, 
is there a big kingdom? If there is, who's the, who's the big boss of that kingdom? You know, get the big pieces set in your mind and know what they're doing, right? That's another key. You got to give the NPCs motivations. Um, and once they have motivations and you kind of get a feel for what they want to do, you know, like the cobbler, he wants to undercut, you know, he wants to steal the baker's wife and, uh, the blacksmith is building a fine suit of armor for the young princeling and, you know, the mayor is crooked, all that stuff. Uh, and then you just let it, let it go, let it play out. And I think you're getting a really, really good feel for this with salt marsh that you've been running a bunch. Cause like you and I, Jules were talking about the other night, it is a very open ended campaign. There's a lot of room for the DM to play around in there and build stuff and make these connections. And you've been doing that. And I think that's given you excellent, awesome practice for when you're running a fully formed homebrew campaign like you're this is like you know you're getting these first steps but it has more structure so yeah it's it's a great it's great practice and i I, you're gonna knock it out of the park it's gonna be awesome but that's the thing you know your main thing since a lot of the world is already built that'll save you a bunch of steps um so you want your starting location You want a couple adventure hooks and you want to know what the power players in your world are doing and what, what they want, because then that'll let you know when the players do something, you'll know how to react, what the big power players will do based on that. Nothing for a while, but eventually, you know, you keep messing around with Raleigh Mock for long enough. He's going to come for you, man. (laughs) <laughs> Raleigh Mock Raleigh Mock Anyway um, Yeah So those are my top tips I hope that's helpful and not super rambly uh, But Thank you Thank you Jules so much For that awesome question And for being For just being awesome Let's get into this next call Hey Joe this is Carl I know you. I I know I called in early and said that Templeton was screwed and was going to die, but I'm so glad that Templeton lived by the seat of his pants. Um, it's kind of neat, and it just reminded me how kind of cool sometimes it is when you get that that lucky crit that happened in my Starfinder game the other day, where the character was fighting this big ooze creature, was the only one in the melee, <clears throat> was getting jacked up. Uh, had saved to not get engulfed, but was like down to his last like actual hit points, not the stamina points that you have in Starfinder. And then he said, I'm going to call upon the God of the Vesk to give me some luck. And guess what? He rolled the crit. He did not know who the God of the Vesk was. It is Demoratosh. And he looked it up and said, now I am an adherent of Demoratosh, but it's kind of cool that he called it and it happened and it was neat. That is super cool, man. Like, dude, just (laughs) that feeling of having called a crit 
was just amazing. I can imagine how your buddy was feeling because I was feeling the same way. Yeah, Templeton did survive by the very skin of his little rat pants. Does he wear pants or does he go Paddington? I think he probably wears a little bit of pants. Probably cargo pants, cargo shorts. Uh, he wears cargo shorts for sure. Um, but dude, one-on-one-ing an ooze monster is no joke, especially in Pathfinder. I imagine they're pretty nasty in Starfinder too. Uh, it, it reminds me, since we were talking about Wheeler Woe just a second ago, it reminds me in one of the sessions we were playing the party found themselves facing off against an ancient elven street sweeper, a.k.a. Gelatinous Cube, and it was a nasty, nasty battle. It, they were pretty low level at the time, maybe third, right around there, maybe fourth, and it was brutal. Like, it came down, I think two of them were unconscious at one point, and the dice just worked out in their favor because oozes are nasty, right? Like they're immune to some damage. Um, they, they, some of them split when you hit them with certain damages. Oh, man, they degrade your equipment. They're nasty, nasty monsters. They can engulf you and they're just brutal. And they, I was like, oh shit, is this. <laughs> There was a few times on Wheeler Woe where I was thinking, is this the end of the campaign? Like, are they all dead right here? But the dice came through. The players came through. It was awesome. Like, when the dice come through, that's why I'm so against fudging dice rolls. I know we all talk about different reasons and stuff, but that feeling when all everything is stacked against you and you think everything is lost... And the dice just come up for you. And you're just like, yes, dude. And it's a whole new day. Templeton's got a whole new lease on life for sure. Uh, though I am sad that my that my little anime sword girl couldn't get into the game. See, if you're going to put anime in fantasy, don't make it sad boy gunslinger anime in your fantasy. Make it rad magical girl sword girl anime in your fantasy that's that's better <laughs> but you, you got more to say carl hey joe sorry i missed you at the saint patrick station dig i was only on for like 10 15 minutes because i had to go to like a beer dinner at bj's restaurant not bj the guy who plays with us but bj's the restaurant maybe he's an owner i don't know hmm, i'll ask him maybe he owns a franchise in oklahoma who knows anyway um, yeah, sorry I missed you. Uh, it'd be fun to do like a happy hour or more regular, do a happy hour. That'd be kind of cool to do and just uh, talk smack. Or maybe we can get uh, the other project into a happy hour mode. Maybe we'll be more free-flowing with our ideas and comments. That be, could be kind of cool too. Yeah, dude, Carl, you must have hopped on like right away. I think Ray might have Ray Otis might have been on there too, like right off the bat. I think I missed both of you guys. But that was really fun, folks. That episode is now out on Nerds RPG Variety Cast. It is four hours long of a bunch of cool dudes talking about cool stuff. If you want to check it out, do it. <laughs> I dare you. Um, but yeah, man, I was sorry I missed you, Carl. And as far as that other project you're talking about, yeah, we should definitely bring beers into that. But that's that's a still a secret project for now. We're going to keep that under wraps for a little bit longer. 
because it's cool. <laughs> but anyway, dude, you mentioned his name, so let's hear from Jason. Hey, Joe, Jason here. Enjoyed your latest episode. I think it's 301. It's good to know Pathfinder people check out other media. We'll see a tie-in to that Curse of the Crimson Throne plot line with some things I discuss on my episode 327. So check that out. That episode will probably be out by the time you play this message, depending. Um, but I'm glad your game went well. I'm glad Templeton lived. You know, I'm glad you had a great time. Sound like a, a crazy session and ups and downs, and that's always awesome. Keeps the tension going, keeps everybody captivated, as opposed to twiddling their thumbs, looking at their phones, right? I'm very happy Carl took the hint. He called into you and talked sports ball, so I hope there's lots of sports ball talk in the future for all you sports ball people. And yeah, just good all around. So I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care of yourself and everybody be good. That was such a wholesome message, dude. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, man, we are going to talk about sports ball again. We're going to talk about it next. I got another sports ball call and I can't wait to get on it because it's interesting. But yeah, dude, it's the ups and downs, right, of a session. That Again, that's why I don't fudge dice, because they tend to provide their own ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And it, I, I don't know. It's that randomness. You don't know when it's going to happen as opposed to, oh, now's a good time for drama. Like, oh, dude. Yeah, man. It was such a fun session. It was the best session we probably had in that group for a while. So that was good. You know, after a few just kind of humdrum sessions, when you have a really good one, it gets you jazzed again. The sad part is we're not, like I mentioned, I think we're not playing again for like three more weeks. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the way it goes. But, dude, yeah, let's let's talk sports ball. Or should I say netball? Hi, Joe. Goblin's henchman here. So... I think last time around I left a message, I broke the rules. He said you wanted to hear about shields from people who knew what they're talking about. Um, but on your last show, or the last one I listened to anyway, you start talking about um, sports ball, in particular uh, round, uh, netball. Um, now, this time around, you didn't say you're not allowed to call in if you don't know what you're talking about. But I don't know what I'm talking about if I'm calling in anyway. So I don't think I'm technically breaking the rules. Anyway, um, when I was in America, I thought it was very odd. I lived with a couple of guys. Can't say I really liked them. But they'd turn up, and they'd always watch the last 15 minutes of uh, netball. And I never really got it. I thought, why are you only watching the last 15 minutes? And they said, oh, that was the exciting bit. And I just thought, that's a bit odd. Why don't you just, like, play 15 minutes of basketball then and just sort of, like, do a differential? All right, this next part is super interesting. But I I needed to cut in here because... A few reasons. One, henchmen. I, I, I never said only people who knew what they were talking about could call in. Because if that was the case, I couldn't even talk on my own show. I just said the rule was <laughs> that nobody followed was to talk about the rule cyclopedia version. <laughs> but that's fine. We had some amazing discussions outside of that. I was being limiting and that's dumb. Uh, two. It Oh, that's why. It makes me so sad that you came here to live with some jackasses, man. Although, I do think you said 
you were living in New Jersey. I don't, I, that might be wrong. For some reason, I think you said you were living in New Jersey and that would explain it. But okay, them saying the last 15 minutes of basketball or netball is the exciting bits. <laughs> sure, but by that logic, you should only watch the last 15 minutes of the very last game of the season, right? But I bet they didn't do that because they were dumb. <laughs> the whole idea, right, the, the last few minutes, like the end of the game is the exciting bit because that's the end of the game, but how you get to the end is exciting. It's like reading the last, you know, couple chapters of a book because those are the exciting bits. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> the, the, those guys didn't like sports, they're, they like to talk about sports to other people, but they didn't actually like sports. And those kind of people annoy me. I don't like people that fake shit. <laughs> you know, those are fakers, posers, if you will. So don't listen to them. Watch all of Netball. It is very exciting. There's, there's never been a more exciting time to come into basketball. Because like I said last time, there are so many good teams in the NBA and it's such an international game. Now there's a friggin' New Zealander, a super good player in the NBA is from New Zealand. Steven Adams. He's awesome. Jules, you should totally, what team is he on right now? Hold on. Let me, Hey John, do you remember what team Steven Adams is on? What team Steven Adams is on these days? New Orleans, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, so check out the New Orleans Hornets, uh, Jules. That's, that's where your boy Steven Adams plays. But there's, there's people from all over Eastern Europe, Asia, South America, all over the place, man. NBA rules, it's super international, it's the organization is halfway decent, the corporation of NBA, National Basketball Association, they do a ton of good in a lot of really impoverished areas across the country, uh, yeah man, NBA rules, <laughs> but you have a really interesting observation to make about sports in general, so take it away dude. Just uh, one other thing on American sports versus British sports. I always found it a bit weird how a lot of American sports, the gender predominance is swapped over. So in America, soccer is mainly a girl game. Here it's mainly a man game. Netball is mainly a girl's game, but in America it's mainly a man's game. Lacrosse is mainly a boy's game, but in the UK it's mainly a girl's game. So I don't know what that's about. We don't have... American football per se, because we have rugby, but we're not allowed to throw the ball forward in that one. So, where am I going with this? Well, nowhere really. Okay, just well a bite. Okay, quick correction, quick correction. Upon further review, Jules, Stephen Adams now plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. Forget about New Orleans, he was traded. Memphis is actually a better team, so that's cool. Uh, I think Memphis will make it in the playoffs this season. So, Jules, if you get a chance, check out the Memphis Grizzlies NBA team. Anyway, henchmen, that was fascinating. That was a fascinating, fascinating observation that I've never really thought of. I didn't realize that basketball was largely a women's sport over in the UK. That's very cool, man. 
over here it's growing the WNBA is pretty soluble now I think it'll stick around it's been around for a, like over a decade now I'm pretty sure the Seattle team the Seattle WA team uh, the storm they've won the championship a bunch of years so that's always cool and yeah soccer <sighs> like the the women's Olympic soccer team is really big over here right but as far as like that's pretty much it as far as women's soccer goes on a big scale here. There is the men's soccer, like a professional soccer league for men. I don't know if there is one for women. There probably is, but I couldn't, I wouldn't swear to that. And soccer is growing over here and it bums me out. Uh, <laughs> we have a soccer team here and I think they've actually won the cup or whatever on the pitch in the match. Soccer is not my jam. Football, you know, is not my jam. And I blame, largely blame, the people that go to Seattle soccer games now for us not having a basketball team anymore. Because if all those people would have gone to basketball when we had a team, we'd still have a team. So soccer and Starbucks can both suck it. <laughs> Anyway, man, fascinating observation. I do not know what that is about, what that swapping of genders is uh, in terms of popularity of sports on the different continents. <laughs> uh, yeah, lacrosse, that's mostly an East Coast thing. They don't play a whole lot of lacrosse on the West Coast of America, mostly on the East Coast. Over here, we have field hockey, which is largely a women's sport. There isn't a whole lot of men's field hockey which is sort of like a cross between lacrosse and hockey um but yeah dude that was awesome henchman thank you for dropping some sports science on us all right what's up next are we talking oh let's talk movies and if we're gonna talk movies who better are we gonna talk about it with that's right our buddy jason Why is Gadget irritated, you ask? She just found out that they're doing a remake of Firestarter that'll be out this May. What do you think of Firestarter there, Mr. Richter? I know you're a big fan of the Dark Tower series and the Gunslinger, but what about the standalone novels that Mr. King has done? Your fake father. The original Firestarter movie wasn't horrible with Der Drew Barrymore and... George C. Scott. In this one, they actually have a, a First Nations actor playing um, John Rainbird, not as opposed to George C. Scott <laughs> trying to play him. So that's a good thing. It's rated R, which is a good sign. Um, I don't know. Do we need a Firestarter remake? I guess it's maybe a surprise we haven't got one before. In the early 2000s, of course, we did have the Firestarter rekindled with an adult Charlie and Malcolm McDowell playing John Rainbird, a TV movie. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see, since this appears they're trying to do a faithful remake, although it looks like it's updated to modern day, I'm curious to see if they change who the, the, the one news source people can trust is at the end. If you've read the novel, you know who I mean. They didn't follow through with that. I don't think in the movie I'd have to revisit the is an 84 movie Drew Barrymore but yeah I don't know I, I have a fond fond memory of 
the movie and and I like the novel well enough. I don't know. Bloomhouse is doing it. They've done a lot of good stuff, so I'm mildly looking forward to the new Firestarter. I'll definitely report on it when it comes out. By the way, I think Firestarter might be one of the least seen of the Stephen King adaptations. I'm trying to watch these trailer reaction videos because I have nothing better to do on YouTube. And all these people that are reacting to the new Firestarter trailer are like, oh, I haven't seen the original. I haven't read the book. How do you not see the original movie? What the heck? Now, Joe, you're going to say you haven't seen it either. And that's going to make me sad. If people haven't seen the, I think it's 84 Firestarter, check it out. It's one of the better Stephen King adaptations. It's really close to the book. And it's very well done. So, there. Oh, trigger warning from the new trailer, by the way. The last thing on this world that I ever want to do, Jason, is make you sad. <laughs> so, I will tell you with full confidence that I have both seen the original Firestarter movie and read the book. Um, I, I, I loved the movie as a kid. I loved Drew Barrymore uh, for a long time. <laughs> Drew and I kind of grew up together. Um, it's not weird when you're the same age. Uh, George, George C. Scott was awesome as John Rainbird, but it is nice that they are getting a First Nations actor to play a First Nations character. Very, very progressive. Yeah, so I watched the trailer, and okay, it looks all right, you know? Uh, I didn't catch the trigger warning, so I had to ask Jason what it was, and it was indeed a trigger warning. If you see it, folks... If you watch the trailer, you will see the trigger warning. I don't want to say what it is, but if you know me and the things I love, you will see a trigger warning in that trailer. But anyway, back to back to it. Okay. I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to this. It looks okay. I don't mind it being set in modern times because when Stephen King wrote Firestarter, he said it in modern times, right? He wasn't setting it in the past. The only reason it was set in the 80s or maybe the late 70s is because that's when he wrote it. Like, it's kind of weird with Cthulhu, right? Like, a lot of Cthulhu, Cthulhu default is set in the 20s because that's when a lot of, you know, Lovecraft and those other dudes, that's when their stories are set. But they weren't writing in the past. <laughs> they were writing in modern times. So isn't it more... Doesn't it stay more true to stay in the, in the modern... I don't know. These are weird thoughts, man. But I'm excited for... I don't know. Nah, I'm not excited for it. I'm not against it. I will check it out if it's in a cool format. Like, I can watch it in my house. <laughs> if it's not three hours long. Those, these are all good things for me. But, Jason, it is indeed not really a standalone. There is a little bit of a tie, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the laboratory evil organization that is after Charlie has ties to the Crimson King in the, in the grand milieu of the Stephen King-verse. I think they are, they are tied to the Dark Tower, because all things serve the beam, dude. 
all things serve the beam. But thank you for pointing that out to me. I had not heard of Firestarter. That's two things in a row, Jason, that you've talked to me about and that I've checked out and been into. That's awesome. The third one is coming soon because if I can get my hands on a way to watch Three the Hard Way, that movie sounded awesome. If you haven't heard Jason's not his latest monster episode, the happy hour episode that is now out, <laughs> but uh, the episode where he talks about taking things from movies. He talks about three, the hard way. Um, and then the other one, but I think three, the hard way was the first one you talked about and that you talked about the most and that I thought sounded the coolest. So I do want to watch that too. But again, I just need to, Oh, I don't think I talked about it on my show at all yet. I mentioned it on Jason's show, but I recently watched, thanks to Jason, uh, Batman Soul of the Dragon on HBO Max. And people, if you have HBO Max and you are into Batman at all, check this out. It rules. It's animated. It's only 80 minutes long. And it, it it's awesome. It is... Shaft meets 70s Bond meets Big Trouble in Little China meets Batman. Um, all wrapped up in awesomeness. Very, very cool. Highly, highly recommended. Check out Batman Soul of the Dragon. All right. I think that's everybody. Let me get out of here. was a fun little ramble after a crab day at work thank you (laughs) thank you all so much for those calls for giving me something fun to think about after work because my work can be a lot everybody's work can be a lot right and sometimes work is just that it's just a lot and it was very nice to get off work kind of relax for a little bit watch a little bit of basketball eat some thai food hear from my friends, respond to my friends, and put out a fun episode for all of you guys to listen to. So thanks so much, everybody. Thank you to Jules Burgesser of Jules from NZ. Check it out. Folks, you gotta vote for what the ponies are gonna do. We all went to the library. All the ponies went to the library. We found out a lot of stuff about the evil dragon. And our next choice was, are we gonna get the lantern or the pony balm, which will heal us up a little bit. Call in your votes now. Go to JulesFromNZ slash anchor dot anchor. I don't know how things work. You are smarter than me. You figure it out. Go vote. Tell her what the pony should do. Should they grab the healing balm or should they grab the lantern? Pro tip. Pro tip. And uh, Firebrand's horn glows a little bit i was i did not know that information when i cast my vote so keep that in mind firebrand's horn the pony can glow a little bit not forever and not a whole bunch but it can glow so call in cast your votes anyway also thank you to jason of nerds rpg variety cast carl rodriguez the gmologist presents and Mr. Henchman himself of Goblin's Henchman, Not Quite Media Empire, podcast and blog. 
No, you got a YouTube channel, Media Empire. Goddamn right. Baron Henchman, you know? Awesome. Thank you all so much for the calls. Thank you all, everybody, so much for listening. Vladimir Putin is still a piece of shit. And if Spike Pitt can't fight him, I want to. Um, that would be really fun. You know, he's not even a black belt in Taekwondo anymore because that got revoked. I don't know. He's probably knows some dirty tricks, but so do I. I've seen Blind Fury enough times. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, everybody, stay safe. Take it easy. Be cool to yourself. Self-care is important. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. That's really what it boils down to. I love you all, and until next time, peace out. Just in case you need more dog barking. Every time I hear Jason's dogs, they always make me think of the beginning of the album 40 Ounces to Freedom, and I just kind of love it. Sorry, it just won't end, I know, but (laughs) here's a little last glimpse into my kind of brain space. Since I looked up Sublime on my uh, music library, on my iMusic or music or whatever they call it now, let's look at the artists I have around Sublime. So the three artists I have, all my artists are in alphabetical order. So the three I have in front of Sublime, I have The Streets. The Stooges and Strung Out. Then I got Sublime, followed by Suicidal Tendencies, The Sword, and T.S. Eliot. Interesting mix. T.S. Eliot, just by the way, is followed by Tears for Fears. So that pretty much rules.